uh, to the word of the Lord uh, as we find it in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 4. We'll be reading together verses 35 uh, through 41. We have heard uh, from the Lord Jesus, his teaching, uh, three specific parables he gave us regarding the kingdom uh, of God. And as we come to the end of the fourth chapter uh, of the Gospel of Mark, uh, we begin a a new section uh, of the Gospel that takes us back uh, to a a demonstration, uh, the Lord Jesus uh, demonstrating who he is, not only teaching about who he is, but uh, demonstrating before us who he is uh, as the king of the kingdom. And so uh, in a wonderful way, we return to seeing the Lord Jesus at work, uh, that we might know him better and that we might love him more. And so this is the word of the Lord as we find it. Mark chapter four, verse 35. This is the ever living and abiding word of God. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. That's the Sea of Galilee. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them uh, in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great wind storm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. They woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He awoke and rebuked the wind, said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray for help. Lord, we thank you that when we come to worship, Lord, we know we come not to hear the word of men, uh, but to hear the scripture as it really is the word of you, our God. And so, Lord, we pray that by the same Holy Spirit through which this word was written, would be at work in our hearts right now so that you would speak to us. We would hear you speaking by your word through your spirit for your glory. And are good. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. What lies in the cosmic depths at the bottom of the world's seas? CNN reported 2019. American undersea explorer Victor Vescavo has become the first person to dive to the deepest points of the Earth's five oceans. And he's now back on dry land, they write, to reveal his discoveries. This 53-year-old financier dove to uncharted depths as part of the Five Deeps expedition, visiting cavernous chasms in the Pacific, Indian, Southern, Arctic, and Atlantic Oceans over a period of 10 months. 
Pescavo announced this week that he completed his final dive on August 24, 2019, plummeting 18,208 feet uh, into the Mali Deep. That's uh, three and a half miles down. As opposed to three and a half miles up, which would get you to the top of Mount McKinley, which is about 20,000 feet. Uh, he not only did that, uh, this report goes on, it's been a record-breaking expedition in more of the ways than one. Vascavo's trip to the Challenger Deep at the southern end of the Pacific Ocean's Mariana Trench back in May was said to be the deepest manned sea dive ever recorded at 35,853 feet. That's about seven miles deep. That would be from here to, uh, let's say, the McDonald's in Woodstown. Deep into the ocean. Pascavo told CNN that his expedition was about scientific discovery, but also about testing the limits of the limits of human endeavor. Going to the extremes, he said, I believe is a natural inclination of man. I think it's a wonderful part, he said, of human nature that makes us want to push ourselves to the limits. Now, I don't know about you, but on my own, I can hold my breath maybe about 20 seconds. Uh, <laughs> maybe 30 if if, uh, you know, but maybe you can do a minute or two, I don't know. But after that, I'm done. When it comes to my limits and the sea. Who then is this, the Bible says, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, this story appears uh, in all three of the Synoptic Gospels. It's in Matthew and Luke, as well as here in Mark. All three uh, Gospels mention uh, that Jesus went out in the boat with his disciples Luke and Mark mention the destination, the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Only Mark mentions that there were other boats with them. Uh, his attention to uh, someone had to be a witness here, right? This eyewitness testimony. Uh, but the core details are all the same. Jesus falls asleep, no doubt exhausted from the constant ministry to the crowds. Mark says on that day, verse 35, after all this teaching, going back all the way to chapter 3 perhaps, uh, uh, but Jesus is tired. He's fully man. And so he's sleeping in the boat. They all mention that. They all mention a great windstorm arising. So the winds are crashing against the boat. It begins to fill uh, with water and it's in danger of sinking. They all mention that the disciples wake Jesus up and are fearing for their lives. They all mention that Jesus rebukes the wind and the sea and all becomes calm. They all mention that Jesus challenges his disciples to have more faith. And they all mention the disciples responding with fear and wonder and asking themselves, Who is this? Even the wind and the sea obey. Now indeed, friends, this is the question. Who then is this? If we are going to get the gospel right in the book of Mark or anywhere else, we must know the answer to that question. Who then is this? Let's remember that Jesus has been teaching about the kingdom of God. He's been using all sorts of illustrations from the field and the crops, garden, agriculture, farmer, seed, sowing, growing, uh, bearing fruit, shade. And he's been teaching beside the sea. Uh, chapter 4, verse 1 starts that way. He began teaching uh, beside this Sea of Galilee. That teaching about the kingdom, you remember, came after story after story of uh, Jesus healing people from sickness, from demon possession, uh, crowds flocking to Jesus and receiving his authoritative and compassionate attention 
and ministry, and so he's tired. And uh, with the disciples in tow, who knew how to handle the boat, remember, most of these men are fishermen, they set out across the sea. Three pictures were given of this scene this morning. The first picture we have is in verses 37 to 38. It's the picture of uh, peace and panic. Peace and panic, verse 37. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Matthew says, There arose a great storm, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we're perishing. Luke writes, They were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. So on the one hand, Mark pictures Jesus in the back of the boat, peacefully asleep, and only Mark mentions on the cushion. (laughs) That's important. Eyewitness testimony somehow has come to this gospel writing. Now, don't think of a fluffy pillow or something like that, though. Uh, It's a word that could just mean a headrest, a piece of wood. Uh, So don't think it's a cushy pillow or something like that that you have on your bed at home. Uh, But meanwhile, the disciples are panicking and can see only death ahead. So the first scene is peace and panic. Peace for Jesus. Asleep, resting. Panic for the disciples. You can picture it, can't you? I can't swim very well. I love to be in a boat on the water. But I have to say, I'm a nervous Nelly uh, when I'm out there. We would fly 13 hours across the Pacific Ocean, back and forth, uh, from New Zealand to the United States, uh, with nothing but deep water beneath. And uh, every once in a while when I'm on the plane, I'd think about it, and then I'd get rid of it real quick and turn something on the TV. You can picture it, can't you? The Sea of Galilee. Waves, the Bible says, are crashing into the boat. The boat is filling with water. What would you be doing? Well, you're out on the boat, and the wind starts, and you enjoy the breeze. <sighs> yeah. It gets a little stronger, and the water gets a little choppy, and it's a little harder to keep on course, and it turns into, the Bible says, a great windstorm. The word could be used for a furious storm or actually a hurricane. This word is used in the Greek Septuagint when translating the Hebrew of Job. And the Lord spoke to Job out of the whirlwind. So it's a furious storm. And now the waves, the Bible says, are coming over the edge. Has the idea of continually uh, as if the waves were throwing themselves purposely into the boat. And you become greatly concerned. The boat starts to fill with water. Matthew says the boat was swamped. By the waves, and now you're grabbing buckets. Uh, you're looking for pots and pans, whatever you can to scoop out the water, but you can't scoop it out fast enough as it's coming in, uh, swamping the boat. And your feet are covered with water, your shins are covered, now it's up to your ankles, your, 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 your knees. See a Galilee, 600 feet below sea level. Mount Hermon on one side, about 3,300 feet. Mountains on the other side as well. Number of deep valleys through which violent storms can come quite quickly upon the lake out of the southwest. And it happened now. They're fighting the wind. They're fighting the water. And they're fighting a losing battle. And they feel it. And there's panic. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping. Wind didn't bother him. It's had to be loud, right? 
Uh, it's not like modern day beautiful cruise ships, you know, where Jesus is completely secluded and, you know, wind, or soundproof windows. It had to be pretty loud. He had to be getting wet. Tossing of the boat didn't disturb him. Noise of the crashing waves he didn't hear. It's the picture of perfect peace. He was tired and he slept. But the disciples know they need to get an extra hand to help bail out the boat. So in terror, they run to Jesus to get him to do some work too. They woke him. It's a stronger word. It means they, they roused him up. Get up. We need you. In Matthew, they cry out, save us. In Luke, they cry out, master, master. Now, you might say, well, wait a minute, that sounds like faith, doesn't it? I mean, after all, they're turning to Jesus. They're asking him for help. But hold on. We know that they certainly wanted their master and leader to do something. But they certainly did not believe he would save them in the way that he did. You know that? Because when he does wake up and save them, as they ask, they're absolutely floored. Astonished. And don't know what to think. This is not a cry of faith, but this is a cry of, a cry of desperation. Right? Jesus is at peace. Disciples in a panic. They didn't really believe at this point that he actually had authority over their situation. And actually, actually, did you catch it? There's a little sting here of rebuke and accusation in their words to Jesus. Do you not care that we are perishing? It could be translated. Is it, is it not a care to you that we're dying? Uh, we would say it maybe like this. We could drown for all you care. Not only is Jesus asleep, but he doesn't seem to care that we're in danger. What kind of faith is that? Well, it shouldn't surprise us. Uh, it's often a picture of us today. Jesus, Lord and Savior, at peace. Disciples often, like me and you, uh, in a panic. Remember Psalm 2, where the Bible describes how the nations rage and the uh, kingdoms are in an uproar. And Psalm 2 says the Lord laughs because he has installed his king on Zion, his holy hill. So the king rules, the king reigns, the king's at peace. There's no need for panic. The disciples were working hard, seeking to battle the storm in their own strength. And the only end, and the only end they could see was disaster and death. Maybe you've been there. Where all you can see is... Disaster, death, and a bleak end. Things so difficult, so overwhelming, and you're doing all you can. You keep steering, you keep bailing, but the troubled waters seem to be filling up your boat, and maybe you wonder too, doesn't Jesus care? Peaceful Jesus, panicking disciples. That's the first picture. Second picture is this. Uh, King Jesus... Obedience, creation. Verse 39. And he awoke, they roused him, and uh, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. The Bible says, Jesus 
rebuked the wind. Now, who rebukes the wind? Uh, We may not like the wind, (laughs) but we can't authoritatively rebuke it for what it's doing as if we had some kind of control over it. Uh, You ever try? As soon as the snow starts, try this. As soon as the snow starts here in South Jersey, go outside, stand in your front yard, and as the snow's coming down, uh, rebuke the snow. Say, cease and desist. <laughs> or when it starts to rain, they say, oh, you had, you had plans for that day. Stop. Give it a try. Uh, in the apocryphal book of Second Maccabees, it's said of Antiochus Epiphanes, who desecrated the temple of Jerusalem, 2nd century B.C., uh, that he claimed the ability to command the seas. Of course, Britain rules the waves. Or they did. That's all they did. I mean, what man can do such a thing? Well, you look back in Psalm 104. Psalm 104 says this. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You're clothed with splendor and majesty. Verse 5 says this. He set earth on its foundation so that it should never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. He's talking about the flood. At your rebuke, they fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. In fact, we find Jesus rebuking a lot of things and people in the Gospels. Luke 49, he rebukes a fever. Luke 9, 42, he rebukes an unclean spirit. And here he rebukes, the Bible says, the wind. To rebuke here means that Jesus Jesus asserted his authority. That's what it means. And he said to the sea... Which implies, of course, that the sea hears his voice, or somehow the, the creation itself responds. What did he say? He said, Peace, be still. Peace just means be silent, it means hush. <laughs> like you might have said to a child one day, or might have been said to you, Hush, you're in church. Be still actually means be muzzled. We find this word elsewhere in the New Testament. Uh, Jesus would use it of muzzling an ox. Jesus addresses both the wind and the sea. And in response, the Bible says, both the wind and the sea respond. The wind ceased its raging, and there was a great calm on the sea immediately, completely. Now, what is the Bible telling us here about Jesus? Jesus uh, is Lord of all. Jesus is King. Jesus has authority over all creation. Who commands the seas? Well, the Old Testament tells us God does. Think of Exodus and, and the people going through the Red Sea. Yes, God uses Moses, but it's, it's God who holds back. God does that, you see. Um, Jesus is our refuge and strength. We can trust him. We can find peace in him because that's true. Jesus is here revealing himself, friends, to his disciples uh, as, God, uh, as God himself. You know, one of the wonderful uh, 
psalms that I'm sure you turn to often is Psalm uh, 46, which says, God is our refuge and strength, a very uh, present help uh, in trouble. Um, Though uh, its waters, the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble uh, at its swelling, um, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her. Uh, The Lord of hosts is with us. Come behold the works of the Lord. Uh, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. Psalm 46 says you can be still because you know that he is God and he rules over all. But here, uh, the one born in in the stable uh, commands the sea and the winds and they stop. Because he's God, the disciples can be still. We can be still. Because the creation itself, this verse tells us, is still at his voice, We can be still at his voice because the creation itself responds in obedience to its maker completely, wholly, immediately. Oh, his creatures, this is our response and needs to be our response to the maker. We must, as Psalm 46 says, listen, come, behold the works of the Lord. This is what the Gospel of Mark is telling you to do. Come, behold the works of Jesus and know that, that the Lord of hosts is with us, whether it's in the boat or on the Sea of Galilee or at Faith OPC in Pole Tavern, New Jersey, or in your home in Pennsville or Glassboro or Vineland or Williamstown or Bridgeton. Whether you're at home, at school, at work, at play, Whether you're single, married, retired, widowed, sick. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the midst of the sea. You know, someone has said, Jesus did not say here in Mark, let us go down to the sea and be drowned. (laughs) He said, uh, he said, let us go across to the other side. That was the word of Jesus. That's where they're going. No need to doubt. Does Jesus lie in the gospel? No. He's God. Can I trust his word? Yes. Absolutely. He is faithful and true. What if a storm comes? Doesn't matter. What about if I start feeling the wind and my feet are getting wet? He's spoken. What if it gets really bad and he's at rest in peace, but I'm all panicky? All the more so. Trust him. His word cannot fail. We will go to the other side. If the wind and the sea had a voice of its own, what do you think it would say to us today who have the Bible, who have the word of the Lord, uh, but ignore it at times? Uh, What would the wind and sea say to those creatures who hear the promises of God, the promises of Jesus, of, of life and forgiveness and hope and peace and rest through, through faith in Him, trusting in Him, eternal life, new life, new creation, kingdom life, uh, where Jesus reigns and rules, but, but so often goes in one ear and out the other. Well, I imagine, I imagine the wind whistling on a stormy day and saying, 
hear him? I imagine the sea or ocean waves crashing on the beach at Wildwood, saying to the crowds walking by on the boardwalk, listen to him. I imagine volcanoes erupting and stars shining through space saying, hear his voice as we do. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We obey him. So should he. Actually, we don't need to imagine, do we? Because Psalm 19 says, the heavens uh, declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. You ever sit on your porch or outside in the darkness? Here in no city around? And you look up at the stars? Oh, that's beautiful. You know what's happening? They're pouring forth speech night to night, revealing knowledge of the great and glorious God. They're already speaking. King Jesus, obedient creation. The third picture is this. A cry of fear and a call, a call, a call to faith. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. And, and they, they said to one another, who then is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him? He said to them, why are you so fearful? Why are you so timid? Have you still no faith? Matthew has, oh, you of little faith. Luke has, uh, where is your faith? You know, kind of as if it had been left on shore when they got in the boat. It could be translated, how have you not faith? That is, the kind of faith that would keep you from this terror in this situation. Faith that Jesus is the Messiah. Yeah, they had that. But also that, he, uh, that, that, that the power of God is present in the person of Jesus. And indeed, that, that he is God himself. Not that they had no faith whatsoever, but little faith, true faith, but that didn't see Jesus for all he was. Did Jesus say this with sadness, maybe, in his voice? Why are you so afraid? Remember, the disciples had really accused Jesus of not caring, right? Being indifferent to their needs. He could have rebuked them. And said, don't dare doubt me again. No, he didn't say that. Instead, their sadness, friends, and a reminder that all that Jesus is revealing to them is meant to, uh, meant to increase their faith and trust in Him. That's why you go through the Gospels. To increase in faith, to see Jesus more clearly that you would love him, as one said, more dearly. Have you still no faith? After all you've seen and heard, he's saying to his disciples, 
He had already revealed so much of who he was to them. He told them where they were going. He was right there with them. And yet they were filled with fear. And perhaps today, as the Lord sees the people of the nations, as he sees the different denominations, as he sees professing believers and their families today, as he sees us go about our lives, sometimes as if he didn't exist, as if he hadn't revealed himself, as if he hadn't spoken any word at all, as if he hadn't promised anything. And to see us, see us, see me going about our lives sometimes, indifferent to him, apathetic in our faith, that is no passion, no actual real conviction, fearful, angry, resentful, Perhaps if he sees that, there would be that same note of sadness. Uh, Why are you so afraid? Why are you so fearful? Uh, Why are you so timid? Uh, Why so hesitant? Have you still no faith? Where is your faith? What happened to your faith? What happened to your profession of faith in me as Lord and Savior? In the Gospel, several times we read of folks being commended for their faith. That is, their confidence in the powerful working of God. In fact, when Matthew gives the account of this story, this event is preceded in the Gospel of Matthew uh, by the story of the centurion, the one of whom Jesus said, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. It's there. Faith in the authority of his word, faith in the power of God, faith that knows that the same Jesus who's gentle and mild is also the creator and sustainer of all things. Faith that knows that the same compassionate, merciful, tender and kind Jesus that we've been seeing in the Gospel of Mark actually has been given all authority in heaven and on earth and that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Mark 4 tells us he is the king of all creation and the wind and the sea know it. Obey him. This is what Job needed to learn in the in the book of Job. Remember those last chapters of Job where uh, the Lord unleashes, uh, I think it's over 70 questions or something like that, to Job. Can you do this? Can you do that? Have you ever thought of this? Do you have any idea? And Job at the end says no. And he's left just looking up at a glorious... God, it's the voice of the Lord. We were called to worship this morning. You called us to worship this morning. Saying what you believed about the voice of the Lord. Oh, since flashes of lightning, that's the voice of the Lord. He speaks. And all creation responds. But they... They, the Bible says, were filled with great fear. You can translate it this way. They feared a great fear. That's how the the Greek expresses this superlative fear. They feared exceedingly. Don't miss this. The point here is, even though they woke up Jesus from his sleep, they didn't really expect him to save them. They wanted help. Oh, that's to be sure. But clearly they did not expect him to do what he did. Because when they did, when he did save them, 
They couldn't believe it. They were afraid and didn't know what to think about this. We're like that too sometimes, aren't we? We may have professed faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but that's just what you do in the OPC. Right? You just do that. You know? Maybe say, well, I've grown up in the church. Professing faith in Jesus is like learning to ride a bike. Everybody does it, but I mean, you don't expect it to really change your life or change your desires or change your goals or change your loves or change your behavior. We just go about our routine of working things out ourselves. Like the disciples, we never actually think to pray to the one we believe in, knowing that he holds power over all creation. And so we depend on him. We love him. And we know we're nothing without him. And we can do nothing without him. Trusting that he holds the power and rule and authority not only over my life, but over all things and can do all his holy will and nothing's too hard for God and no one can say to him, what are you doing? We're like the disciples sometimes. And we come to worship, we sing our songs, we read our Bibles, never thinking, never thinking that the one we profess to worship, the Bible says, raises up kingdoms. And brings them down. That the one we worship on Sunday has the power to give life and the power to take life. That he has authority over the birds of the air and the lions in the field and the sun and the moon and the stars and the mountains and the valleys and the nations and the peoples of the earth. Friends, the disciples did not expect Jesus to do great things. Do you? Do you? Do I? Who then is this? Means what manner of man is this? Jesus is greater by far than they had previously ever imagined. Writes one, the creator and sustainer of the universe was with them in the boat. The disciples had accepted his messiahship, but had a most inadequate view of the same. They evidently did not recognize all the implications (laughs) which that office carried with it. That is, that Jesus was the messiah. They didn't get all the implications. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. That's one of the biggest understatements you'll ever read. All the implications of what you believe and what I believe. Kind of like getting married. You're not sure about all the implications. Kind of like having a child. You're not sure about all the implications. Kind of like professing faith in Jesus and being united to Jesus Christ by faith. All the implications. Knowing the one who holds the world in his hands, all the implications, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. So in the presence of this Jesus, of course, the Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus of our own imagination, we are being called here to have great faith, stronger faith, not no faith, not little faith, not an absent faith. But greater faith by seeing Jesus for who he really is. Here's the thing, friends. Uh, The reason that, as we've seen in the Gospel of Mark, the reason uh, that the loving touch of mercy of Jesus 
And remember his word to the, the believing heart? He said to that one, he said to that fella, Take heart, your sins are forgiven. You know, the reason hearing that from the lips of Jesus fills us with such joy and thankfulness uh, is because we also know this about Jesus, what Graham Kendrick put into song with the words of the servant king. He said this, Come see his hands and his feet of Jesus. The scars that speak of, of sacrifice, that's Jesus. Hands that flog stars into space to cruel nails. Surrender. Oh, this is the glory of the gospel. Jesus, compassionate, merciful, touching us with a fever, curing the man with leprosy, also the one uh, who is king over all, and he is the one who will one day die on the cross in the place of sinners like you and I for our salvation. Friends, the king of creation went to the cross for sinners. The king of creation must be king of my life. The king of creation must be king of my heart. I mean, if the wind and the sea obey him, if the trees of the field obey him, if the demons know he's Lord, if every molecule of my body is subject to him, and if this king is also my savior, if this king is also the one who died on the cross in my place, if this king humbled himself, made himself obedient even to the shameful death of the cross for my sake, then I must and delight to bow to him and worship him and pledge allegiance to him. I must give myself to him. If this Jesus who's come has come for me speaks and the very creation itself obeys his voice. How could I turn away in rebellion against him? Or in doubt, <laughs> in doubt that he is who he said he is. Why, says Jesus, are you so afraid? Friends, the disciples like you and I, we're still learning, aren't we? But who Jesus is? Still growing. And seeing how glorious he is. Our faith is not what it should be. But as Jesus had already reminded us with the mustard seed. That a little seed is still a seed. And it is meant to grow. And it will grow. He's already told us. If it is in that soil that he has torn up already. And it is his work within us. But it is meant to grow. A little faith is still faith. And it's meant to grow. What makes faith powerful, friends, is not faith itself. But the one in whom you have put your faith. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, this is the one who you believe. This is the one who you serve. This is the one who died that you might have life. This is the one who then calls you to live all you have for him. And if you do so, you never need be afraid, you see. Not of judgment. He's paid it all. You don't need to be afraid of others. The Bible says, what can others do to you if God is for you? Who can be against you? You don't need to be afraid of life. 
Bible says he's working out all things to the good of those who love him. And you don't need to be afraid of death. Whether by a storm at sea or storm in America or storm in your life, he's near. He brings peace. He calms the storm because he is the Lord and he is the king of creation. Either we will fear him as our judge or we will fall before him in faith, knowing he and he alone can save. Did you know that this passage ends with a question for you and me? It's not answered in the Bible. You have to answer as you go home. In light of all you see in the gospel about Jesus, you need to answer that question today. Who then is this? Even the wind, the sea, obey him. Who is this? He is the king of glory. May we go to him even today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your glorious uh, word. We thank you for the gospel of Mark uh, and all your word as you reveal yourself to us. And especially here as we travel along in the life of the Lord Jesus. Oh Lord, we want to get the gospel right, the good news right. That we would see in our Savior, the one who is also king over all. That we would trust him today. That we would give ourselves to him today. That we would go forth, serve, and worship him without fear, knowing that he is our king, he is our Lord. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.